All right, everybody, you can tell I'm excited today. I got the purple throwback Glenwood Eagle shirt on. If you're familiar with our area, you will know that the Glenwood Eagles no longer exist, that they are the Glenwood Trojans now back in the day. They used to be the Glenwood Eagles, and I used to uh, participate in sports with them. I went to school there, and I also coached there for a short while as well. So you know I'm excited today. By the way, have you ever like been on a either family walk or just a walk in general, and you just saw something that just really kind of blew your mind. We've been having quite a few of those lately. Uh, one case was today, my wife and I were walking, and we just happened to hear this very loud screeching noise from above us, and it's really cool. We saw an osprey flying above us, and then a few minutes later, it just, it just kept on doing it over and over and over, the same sound over and over and over, and then shortly we found out why, because its mate was coming to join it. So we figured out that it was calling out to its mate. Very cool, but what was really neat the other day, and I've never seen this before in my life. First of all, I've never saw, heard that before, um, but uh, never seen this in my life before. I didn't even necessarily know that this was possible. My family and I, we were on a walk, and uh, my wife and my kids thought they had seen a bird. You see, we've seen quite a few hummingbirds around here. It's a very small creature that they happened to see, and it flew right into a tree. We the only one of us that could really track it was Jaden. And so he ran over to the tree, started looking for it. <clears throat> and lo and behold, it wasn't a bird at all. This was so cool that we had seen a praying mantis and it was flying and it flew right into the tree. It was so neat. One of the coolest things. And praying mantises are rare enough to see as it is. And the fact that we actually got to see it fly, at least they got to see it fly, uh, and we got to see it inside of a tree then as well it was just one of the coolest things ever. So I'm just really, really pumped just seeing lots of neat stuff around here lately and just uh, excited about this podcast as well. As we're talking about a topic that is uh, near and dear to me, we're going to be continuing on the topic of worldview and um, we are going to be talking about what it means to be conservative versus what it means to be liberal. And we're going to do that using certain illustrations. And just hang in there with me for a minute. Before we get into that, I just want to do a couple of quick uh, notes to point out to you. For one, this is a very important topic. I know that people hate politics, but liberal and conservative don't just apply to politics. They apply to how you view your life. They apply to every aspect of your life, as you'll even take note that there are both Christian and liberal Bible scholars. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean they vote a certain way? No, it means they understand the Bible a certain way. In fact, uh, probably the most renowned theologian of our day, perhaps, maybe not, Wayne Grudem <clears throat> wrote in the, in the introduction to his book, Systematic Theology, that he believes that liberal theologians have not contributed anything significant to the field of theology outside of what evangelical conservatism has already uncovered. Uh, so, fascinating statement right there, and I think that it's true, and I think there's a reason for that, too. We're going to be talking about that a little bit, not that specific topic, but the reason why liberalism just really isn't a good way to live your life. Um, spoiler alert, I don't think that liberalism is a way to live your life, per se. So, again, we'll get into that more. That's not an insult to anybody that considers himself liberal, but I think we need to use that label in the appropriate context or else it's just not going to work out. 
some of the reasons why it's so important, uh, I happened to see an article online about the, why Generation Z is choosing not to have children. Now, the article itself was absolutely wonderful, and I can't tell you exactly why, because I'd probably get banned for <laughs> talking about exactly why. I just thought this article was absolutely wonderful. It's regarding who it was that they were asking whether or not they were going to have children and their answer, and it's like, oh my goodness, are you really, are, are you kidding me? Um, but this boils down to this exact topic, conservatism versus liberalism. On that note, conservatives, for those of us who are choosing to have children, by the way, or adopting children, whatever you might choose, you don't necessarily have to have children, by the way, I'm not saying you must, um, but if you do have children on some level, or you have nieces and nephews, or anybody that's dear to you, grandchildren, I highly recommend the Angel Studio app. Uh, it is a free app. Angel Studios is the studio that produced The Chosen. Uh, the Chosen is a is a is a TV series about the life of Jesus, a multi-season uh, series on the life of Jesus, first one ever, and it is incredible. First of all, but what I am recommending to your you and your children is the show called The Tuttle Twins. Yes, The Tuttle Twins has its own cartoon show, and it is amazing. Not just because it's informative, it is entertaining. It is absolutely hilarious, on par with any of the big networks like Disney, Nickelodeon, Cartoon Network. The animation is right on par with that. The humor is right on par with that. But it actually gives you values that you can agree with. Values that promote uh, the Constitution, that promote faith, that, uh, that promote just the, the free, did I already say free market? Constitution and free market principles in general. So I highly encourage the Tuttle Twins on the Angel Studios app. So get that out to who watch it yourself if you're an adult. My goodness, it is a it's so much fun. I I love watching it with my kids. Uh, so check that out, the Tuttle Twins, on Angel Studio app. So really quick before we dive into the main topic, I want to clarify something that I mentioned about yesterday's podcast. We were talking about student loan forgiveness, and I mentioned about a series of memes and statements that uh, it's hypocritical for Christians to talk about student loan forgiveness in the negative sense, in that, well, we received forgiveness for our sins, and we didn't deserve it, and Jesus paid them anyway. Um, I want to try to clarify that a little bit more, what I was getting at, uh, because I disagree with that notion. I, I think that uh, my clarity, my clarification, is that the whole point of Jesus' sacrifice was that, in essence, it was unfair. An innocent man died for the sins of people who were guilty. That is inherently unfair. But Jesus did it, and it was right, and it was good, and it brought about the justice of God. Um, but... What didn't happen, it wasn't in a we are all together sort of thing. It was Jesus himself deciding to pay for the sins of the world. Think about it this way, in relation to student debt. As I mentioned yesterday, if somebody came along on the street and said, hey, I'm going to pay your student loan debt, that's moral, that's good, that's amazing, that's great. But when a big government organization comes along and says, you know what, you, 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 and you must pay 
for the student debt of this person and that person and that person. That's immoral. That is wrong because you are you're, you're going against the will of those people. You are assaulting their ability to live their lives the way that they want to. You're, you're interfering with, uh, with their rights to life, liberty, and their pursuit of happiness by stepping in and doing something that's taking money out of their pocket. And it's not their student debt to begin with, so they're not responsible for it. So again, that's part of a larger conversation. <clears throat> I did want to bring clarity to that. I did say yesterday, um, and I, I fixed, I, I uh, corrected myself when I said that it was unjust, but I didn't bring the clarity exactly of what I meant when I said that, uh, that it's unjust for somebody to have to pay for the debts of somebody else. Uh, if you willfully do it, then of course it's just, but if it's something that's forced upon you, then no, it is not just and it is not moral. Okay, so we got that out of the way. So we're going to jump right into it. Conservatism versus liberalism. <clears throat> you hear these terms tossed around all the time. You have big media figures now on both sides. Typically, quite frankly, the liberal side, they don't really talk a whole lot about their liberalism and liberal values because, I, well, I, I don't know why to tell the truth. Um, but then you have people that are definitely conservatives. In fact, it was a conservative that inspired this show. I really enjoyed listening to the Rush Limbaugh show. I thought that, that was just the best show ever on any platform. Uh, but you also have people like Steven Crowder, you have uh, Ben Shapiro, you have the Babylon Bee, uh, and you have a, a, a Dan Bongino now. Um, you have lots of people that identify as conservatives and they try to define them, de define exactly what sets them apart as a conservative versus a liberal. Well, as I mentioned earlier, conservative is not strictly a political thing. Uh, liberal is not strictly a political thing, but it has to deal with how you view the world. Now, liberalism, not so much. Conservatism, absolutely. In fact, everybody is a conservative when it comes to something. For instance, I am a conservative when it comes to the Constitution of the United States. I believe that how it is written does not need any sort of special interpretation. Uh, take the overturning of Roe v. Wade. They said that Roe v. Wade, uh, they said that abortion was a, was a right guaranteed to people through the Constitution, even though abortion was never mentioned in the Constitution, and there's no intention from the authors of the Constitution to, uh, to allow abortion inside of our country, to say that it is a right. Uh, so that was not a conservative reading of the Constitution. For it to be conservative, it have had to be implied or generalized or it would have had to be specified in some sort of way as a right. Um, but that wasn't the case. A conservative reading of the Constitution just reads the Constitution as it is written. Conservatism believes in the rule of law. Now, on the other hand, liberalism is driven by grievance. And I don't mean that insultingly. I mean they see disparities amongst people and they are driven by that. They seek to make things right based off of the disparities that they see. And you can tell just by looking at the world of liberalism, of the Democrat Party in general, and seeing that they are a very much grievance-based party. We see a problem here. We see a problem there. We see a disparity there. We see an inequity there. And so we need to fix those things. 
that is the core of liberalism right there, uh, where conservatism is very literal when we read our legal documents, religious documents, because, I mean, I mentioned religious documents too, because there are conservative and liberal uh, Christians, Muslims, Buddhists, um, atheists, so forth. Every ideological take you have, there are conservatives and liberals when it comes to that. Well, liberalism is more about perspectives on things. So, for instance, when it comes to the Bible, for instance, uh, they will look at the Bible and say that, okay, well, this was written by uh, men. Uh, New Testament in the first century A.D., uh, so we can interpret it this way, or they'll look at a female figure or whatever and say, this is a feminist interpretation about what is happening here, or this is a black liberation uh, perspective on what is going on inside of this text. So they look at it from all these different perspectives, and they come up with all sorts of special interpretations as a result of that. Now, as a conservative, I find that horrendous. I don't think that that's the way to do it. And that's why Wayne Grudem said that they, the liberal world of theology has not contributed anything significant because where conservatives hold that God's word is uh, inerrant, is authoritative, is infallible, uh, is above all other authorities— Liberal interpretations of the Bible do not do that. They, they will tell you that they do. They will say that the Bible is authoritative, but they'll lump it in with all sorts of other texts that they also consider to be authoritative. Many of them not Christian, lots of them from other religions even. And, and they'll even go as far to say that everybody's perspective should be included in this discussion of what the Bible means ultimately. And they'll still call themselves Christians, and some of them probably are, some of them probably not so much. Um, this is the problem. Conservatism is strictly about worldview. Okay, that's, that's the worldview point of our, our thinking, okay? And so if you have a Marxist that really believes in Marxism, they're going to carry out Marxism in a conservative fashion. If you have a Christian that really believes in Christianity, they're going to carry it out according to the letter of the law inside of the Bible, particularly the New Testament, um, taking the Old Testament into consideration, of course. Uh, same thing for Jews, same thing for Muslims, and, and so on and so forth. That, uh, you know, for an atheist, even, you would read scientific writings and you would say, okay, this is authoritative. Or you would see uh, the evolution of society and say that, well, this is the direction that society is going uh, and, and this is what we can and can't know. And you would base your understanding of the world on what we do know. Not on what's speculative, but on what we actually do know. At least that's my understanding of a conservative atheist. I'm not a conservative atheist myself. I am a conservative Christian, so I couldn't tell you exactly. So yeah, I'd love to hear from conservative atheists on that note. More and more of those popping up, particularly libertarians. Um, so liberalism. I don't believe that liberalism was meant to be an ideology. I believe that it's more of a process that there is a part of a process of bringing about change in something or bringing about order in something that actually does take a liberal perspective, seeing disparity, being able to see inequity in order, because yes, the slaves, for instance, in America, we had to bring about that change and it had there had to be a 
part of that process that was liberal, that found the disparity in the situation. But it had to start somewhere, though, too. The worldview portion of that was the conservative aspect of it, and lots of Christians were against slavery. Yes, there were some that were for it. There were evolutionists that were for it as well. And so we, we see that ultimately two sides disagree. I mean, people, two sides of the same coin disagreed with one another. Christians disagree with Christians and uh, otherwise disagreed with otherwise. Put whatever label to you want to on the otherwise right there. Um, but ultimately, uh, it had to start somewhere. From a Christian perspective, it would have been that, no, that God does not desire that another person be able to own you or that you are to own another person, that we should all be able to live freely and be able to freely worship him. And uh, that all men are created, all men and women uh, are created in the image of God. Therefore, who are we to say that we are in charge of the life of another person that we can own them as property and that's just not 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 biblical at all to think that you can do that so that's uh, one illustration right there but um i'm going to tell you about the different perspectives of worldview so we talked a little about liberalism a little about conservatism not exhaustively just to get your palate wet a little bit and I have drawn out this huge diagram. I'd love to describe it to you sometime, but I'm kind of running short on time right here. I want to make sure I, I don't belabor this too much. So I'm going to give you an illustration of different perspectives on the world and how to interpret reality uh, from different angles. Because you've heard of things like conservatives, liberals, progressives, libertarians. Let me tell you about all these groups in relation to cars. Not all of them, most of them. Uh, in relation to how they would view cars. Conservative perspective on cars. So you would look at a car as a conservative and say, a car, well, that's great. It drives from point A to point B. It uses gas and that costs a certain amount of money. And I could maybe become a car dealer and sell cars and make money off of cars. And, you know, just very straightforward. You just see the reality as it is uh, without... Uh, without extrapolating the philosophical elements of what it means to own a car necessarily. I mean, so long as you're not using it as a weapon, yes, you might look at it and say, hey, I could use it as a weapon. I could run people over. Um, but again, we're rule of law people, and that's against the law. So we wouldn't do that. Um, going to change it a little bit, a conservative libertarian's perspective, okay? Because there are different types of libertarians. How would a conservative libertarian look at a car. And this is how I would say a conservative libertarian would look at a car and say that why would I buy a car? I should build a car for myself that's designed in a certain way that I that I appreciate, that I love, that I can operate more comfortably. Uh, or maybe, hey, I should buy the type of car that I want. Uh, libertarians think a lot more um, a lot more independently minded, uh, not necessarily attached to a specific ideology, so to speak, but more or less operating the principle that if I do not, I'll leave you alone if you leave me alone, more or less. And so very independently minded there. Uh, let's go into then what would be called a liberal libertarian. Uh, these would be like the Bernie Sanders people, just attaching face to the movement. Uh, and these are the types of people that would say, well, I'm entitled to a car. We all need cars. Cars are for transportation. Uh, if you don't have a car, you can't get to work. And so somebody needs to make sure that I have a car. So there's this entitlement about it. 
But don't misinterpret that with that, and even though I don't think that's necessarily right, um, that their perspective on it is that they want all the obstacles out of their way so they can live their lives the way they want to. And the same thing with conservative uh, libertarians, except for the obstacle they want out of their way is the government, where um, liberal libertarians want just sort of, how, how to say it, these silly barriers preventing them from having what they want out of the way so they can just have it and not worry about it and really not covet after it so they can live their lives. Now, mind you, you're coveting after it all the way until you have it, so there's sort of a catch-22 there. Uh, so uh, that brings us then to a liberal's perspective on cars. A liberal, when they see a car, they might say, well, this type of car is racist, or this type of car is sexist, or this type of car, or, or cars in general, um, that they destroy the environment through uh, climate change, through, through um, carbon emissions, that it's just destroying the environment, causing global warming, global cooling, and just cat catastrophes across our country and across the world. And it's just this long list of grievances against cars. And lots of times they would say something like, well, we need to make sure this group can have cars or that group can have cars or, you know, why isn't there a government program giving people cars? Um, so that's kind, of, uh, that, that's kind of their take on it. They're seeing all the disparity inside of the idea of car ownership and people having or not having cars, the inequity of certain people can afford cars versus other people can't or being able to afford certain kinds of cars and other people can't. And then you have this other group I do need to make note of because they are very important in our discussion. They are called the progressives. The progressives are a wildly bunch. And more or less how they would view a car is they wouldn't just look at the car. They would listen to the liberals and what they are saying. And they hear them say, for instance, climate change. Okay? So what do the progressives come along and do? Well, a progressive that owns a green energy factory, uh, uh, I don't know, wind turbines or solar, pan solar panels or something like that, or, or maybe they even own an electric car lot, would come along to the liberals and say, hey, how about we pass le find a way to pass legislation to force people to buy cars that are electric-powered? And not fossil fuel power, which, by the way, uh, electricity comes from the burning of coal. Unless it comes from a nuclear power plant, but comes from, in general, uh, burning of coal. So it's not really uh, carbon neutral by any stretch of the imagination. But um, that's how progressives work. They are opportunists. To them, truth is evolving, which ultimately means that they don't really believe in truth, so to speak. They, that's sort of part of the enlightenment process to them as they ultimately say that, well, there is really no truth. And so once you understand that, you're able to deal with people in unique ways and more enlightened ways is what they would put it. And they believe there's only some, anyway. Uh, so my wife, she found a perfect uh, meme of this that illustrates this on Facebook, this relationship between liberals and progressives. So in the middle of the photo, the top half of the photo, there's two halves, top and bottom half, top half of the photo, there's this uh, person who is walking through farmland on this person's uh, right are like birds flying through the air and all this farmland. And then on the left, there's cows and stuff. And she, this, I, I, I can't tell if it's a male or female, by the way, I would say she just for, it looks like a she to me. 
that she is saying, what a horrible, polluting environment. Now, mind you, there's nothing polluting the environment. There's just animals, and there's grass, and there's agriculture going on. She says, oh my goodness, what a horrible, polluting environment this is. And then in the half below that, she is walking through a field that's full of wind turbines and solar panels. And then she's just relieved. She's no longer stressed out from all the animals and the, what she considers pollution. And she says, that's better. Well, that is a perfect illustration of what a liberal is. The, the lady, young lady in this illustration, that is the liberal saying, oh, how horrible this all is. And then the progressive comes along and says, huh, I think I can capitalize on this. And so they, they force their agenda, they force their business upon these liberal minds. So they vote to make it illegal to do things any other way than what is profitable to them, the progressive. Okay, so that's kind of a snapshot of this whole liberalism, conservatism thing. And it does affect everybody. Absolutely everybody does it affect. And I don't want anybody to be ignorant of that. That's not even a political statement. That's just a reality statement. I think the sooner we are aware of where we sit on, not the spectrum, rather on the wheel, or I call it a political pizza, by the way. I know I said it's not political, but I, I look at the word politics different than what most people do. It's an expression of your worldview. That's what it is. But on this political wheel uh, that I have designed, once you know where you on, are on that and the relationship that you have to all the other dispositions uh, on, on this wheel, the sooner it is you're able to relate to people better, understand people better, and know why it is, and know, know why it is they think the way they do, but also how to help them along their journey to achieve what they actually want because they got to get back to that worldview position, their actual conservative position on what it actually is that they believe in and what they believe is uh, an absolute uh, rule of law of some sort. Um, and we all do, whether we want to admit it or not, because even say there are no absolutes is an absolute statement. So if that's your absolute, there you go. So I'd like to thank you very much for joining me for today's podcast. Again, this is the Bill Sang Podcast. By the way, I don't want to let this slip by. Our goal is to get 1,000 Rumble and 1,000 YouTube subscribers. So get busy with this. Like, share, and subscribe. Make sure we hit that goal sometime soon. I'd love to be able to do this more often and more effectively with more information for you all. So please like, share, and subscribe, and have a good day.